Hello and welcome to the King's Church podcast. Uh, we are in the foyer, sat clearing up after what has felt like a, a very long but a fantastic week at the leadership conference. Um, for this final episode this week of uh, covering the conference here, uh, I get to sit down with two fantastic men. Uh, first of all, Dave Fellingham. Uh, many of you know him as a worship leader, um, but also a part of the leadership of the movement of New Frontiers over the years. And second of all, with Terry Virgo, um, who has been in apostolic oversight of the movement for many decades and has recently passed it on uh, to other leaders. And I think you'll find that what they have to say is just, just really fantastic and inspiring and some incredible stories. So we hope that you really enjoy this final episode covering the conference. It really has been a special time. Thank you to all those who have spent time praying, volunteering, uh, moving chairs, serving drinks, looking after people's individual needs as they attend the conference. And we look forward to seeing you all on Sunday. And joining me this morning is a very special guest, Dave Fellingham, who I've had the pleasure of meeting uh, only yesterday. And so pleased that he's going to join us and talk a little bit about his life and just a little bit about his experiences and what he's seen God do in his life. But more importantly, what he's hoping he's going <laughs> to see God do with the rest of his life. Uh, so welcome, Dave. Thank you. It's really good to be with you. Yeah, many yeah. people know the name, name Dave <laughs> Fellingham. Um, many people who have been around uh, New Frontiers for some time and and even now I think people would know the name Dave Fellingham but probably through Lou. Uh, yes. So maybe you could explain <laughs> that connection. Yeah well Lou is married to my son Nathan hmm. and um, I first saw Lou um, when I was leading worship at Spring Harvest and she was in the Youth for Christ vocal band as she was a teenager and um I got my band with me and uh, Lou came and did a solo spot um, with the Youth for Christ vocal band. Yeah. And um, <laughs> it's one of those things that we had to clear our band off the stage so that the vocal band could come on. Right. And to be honest, it was a, at the time we were a bit, <laughs> who are these young kids? As soon as Lou opened her mouth... I turned to my band and I said, I want that girl in Brighton. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> Not realising that a few years later she'd be marrying my son. <laughs> well, in Brighton she was, so that's yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's that's absolutely amazing. So uh, you're married to Rosie. How many years have you been married now? 54 this July. That's incredible. <laughs> wow. And yeah, it's a pleasure meeting you both. And how have you found your time in Darlington so far? Oh, I've loved it. Loved the church here. Loved the facilities. And um, it's always nice coming north because northern people are so warm and friendly. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's been been really good. That's... And obviously good to meet with with old friends. Mm. Yeah. And, that, and in terms of your life then, Dave, I was talking to Rosie a little bit last night, so I do know a tiny bit. Mm. Um, but she said you grew up Salvation Army. Yeah, my my parents were Salvation Army officers, uh, as were my grandparents. Um, and uh, there was, uh, I was born in 1945 when they were 
pastors of the Salvation Army Church in in Horsham. Mm. So I've gone full circle there. Wow. So I grew up in the Salvation Army, which I absolutely loved. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, in terms of your musical ability, lots of people will know you as a worship leader. Mm. Um, Is that kind of where it all came from? You you brought up to play music? Yeah, yeah. I mean, in the Salvation Army, kids learn instruments from a very early age and uh, I I learned the cornet because obviously the brass band thing but uh, also piano and uh, music's always been a big part of my life and um, also I think the connection between music and and God and theology and the Bible Mm. um, and expressing yourself to God through music that's always been part of my life Yeah. yeah And in terms of, you know, you're not not in the uh, Salvation Army anymore. No. <laughs> um, you're not sat here in front of me with a uniform on. Um, you you are now and have been for decades um, mm. part of a movement of New Frontiers. Mm. And, you know, close friends with Terry, I'm not sure how that all came about, but how, how did you end up from going from Salvation Army, you know, to, <laughs> to actually being kind of at the centre of, a new movement of what God was doing in church in the UK. What? How did that come about? Uh, there's quite a long answer to that question, but I'll try and be as succinct as I can. Mm. Um, but I suppose my family heritage, my my grandfather saw revival. Well, on both both my family sides, they they were in revival, and so revival stories filtered through um, through the family line, and uh, I'm. Even as a very young boy, mm. um, I had this sense of God doing something very powerful. Um, and it was in my mid-teens that um, I was not only, I mean, I was quite well known as a cornet player in the Salvation Army, but I also, um, my dad got me preaching from the age of 12. So I've been preaching since I was 12. Wow. Um, and uh, um I became a Salvation Army evangelist, but I never, ever saw anybody saved. Um, And I began to read books and find out, you know, what was it? And um, the Salvation Army believe in the baptism in the spirit, but um, in the uh, 50s, when I was growing up, um, there wasn't really any experience of that, to be honest. It Mm. was... um, um, so uh, I began to seek for the baptism in the spirit, read books, read biographies. Um, and then um, I was baptized in the spirit when I was um, 17. Wow. Um, and it was uh, quite an amazing and powerful experience. And the next time I preached, 20 people responded. No way. <laughs> it was the same, like, same message, but now <laughs> empowered by the Spirit. Wow. Yeah. That is incredible. Yeah. So what we're seeing here is, you know, as a church at the moment, we're going through the book of Acts. Mm. And we have been for, <clears throat> for the from the beginning of the mm. year. And we're talking about, you know, how these disciples look different. Mm. When, when the Spirit came, mm. um, you know, they were empowered by the Spirit of God. Yeah. Um, you know, it takes Peter from being a coward yeah. to, you know, standing before the Sanhedrin, not caring, you know, yeah. because he was emboldened and empowered by the spirit and people responding to the gospel message, yeah. you know, so it's incredible to hear that's exactly what 
you saw. It was yeah. just a completely yeah. night and day experience. Yeah. And and then at some point, then you've n- no longer been part of Salvation Army. You've mm. you've been you know you've come into New Frontiers. Was that around the same time? Oh no, no. Um, so um, the Salvation Army centenary was in 1965, and by then I'd gone to university mm. um, and was beginning to feel that the. Uh, I mean, much as I loved the army, that there wasn't really um, the place for exercising spiritual gifts and mm. all, all, all of that. Yeah. Um, I did a music degree and actually <laughs> um, I was better at music than I'd realised and um, suddenly I was in demand as a conductor and um, uh, writing orchestral music and you know modern classical music yeah um and also it was at the time when um sort of mid mid 60s when bands like blood sweat and tears chicago they were using brass yeah um and uh, i got into a rock band that was on the edge of becoming quite big and a lot of money was being spent on it um and suddenly there was a world opening up to me that I didn't know existed. Um, And it did actually for about six years, take me away from God. Right. Um, Not that I ever rejected God. No, it wasn't that. It was just that my life became obsessed with music. I was director of music in a high school um, and had probably one of the best school orchestras in, in the UK. And um, I was writing music that was, getting known um but god was on the back burner and then when rosie was expecting our first son luke Mm. um i realized if i'm going to be a father i've got to go back to my roots spiritually Mm. and um uh basically what happened i was i was playing in a jazz trio in a nightclub and at two o'clock in the morning god spoke to me and said what are you doing here wow um, and it was like, whoa, what am I doing here? Hmm. And that started to get my life sorted out. Um, and, of course, as soon as I did, that meant the call that was on my life had to be fulfilled. So I gave up my career and I was invited to go full-time in an Anglican church hmm. in, in Brighton with a very, very well-known Bible teacher and author, Ian Barclay, Mm. who took me under his wing, discipled me, cared for me, and I went full-time into the Anglican church without going through the Anglican system. And uh, that that church was really alive in the spirit, and um, Ian gave me the responsibility for the Wednesday night meeting which was probably one of the biggest charismatic meetings in the southeast. So, wow. so this would have been sort of nineteen seventy six sort yeah. of time, um, and uh, that's when I first started writing worship songs, hmm. be- because mainly because I couldn't stand the rather banal, happy, clappy type <laughs> songs that people were singing. So I thought there, yeah. there must be both better music and better theology and better words. Well, that's so incredible. Be, yeah. Yeah. So um, in that Anglican church, I was there for three 
years full time. And it was while I was there that I met Terry and began to see the vision for um, not just being filled with the spirit, but actually God was restoring his church. And it was while I was in the Anglican church that tensions began to arise between the charismatic and there was a denominational ceiling on what we were doing. And it it wasn't Ian Barclay himself, but the bishop did not like me. Mm. And I I was actually sacked for leading the church astray, um, Mm. which was pretty horrendous really and leading the church show just to clarify was yeah. was um, to take them because i brought them into charismatic life yes yeah yeah um and uh, publicly denounced <laughs> um so i'd given up a career um and now after three years doing this ministry hmm. in a church that was like getting 500 people in the morning and another 500 people in the evening and Incredible. i was very involved in it um and, uh, yeah, um, I got kicked out, the right wow. foot of fellowship. Wow. <laughs> um, but there were lots of people in the church who said, you know, you're our pastor. Yeah. Um, and it coincided with the time that uh, Terry Virgo was feeling God was leading him to Brighton. And I, I'd already known Terry a little bit, not that closely, but we, mm. we'd met and prayed together. And Terry said to me, um, I'm moving to Brighton. Why don't you join me? Yeah. So um, that's how the Brighton Church actually started. And there was another older ex-Baptist pastor, Henry Tyler. um, And Terry and Henry and myself became the leadership of this new church. Mm. And that was at the beginning of 1979. That's incredible. Yeah. And I mean, back then, I mean, even then, you know that God is, the, well, first of all, he's a God who promises to build his church. Yeah. yeah. And we also know that, you know, we should never limit God on what he can do. But you probably even then didn't think that this would turn into a movement of churches that would spread across the the earth, really. Um, or did you? Well, Terry talked that talk. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> And um, I did believe God was going to build a big church in Brighton. I had no question of that whatsoever, even though we were a handful of people. This was at the beginning of 1979. Mm. I had no doubt we were going to see a big church built in Brighton. So, Mm. um, but yeah, vision was for the ends of the earth, really. Yeah. Yeah. And that's incredible. Even then. Yeah. So, I mean, we're fast forwarding a lot of decades now. Sure. And today we are, you know, kind of meeting as a as a, a conference christ central churches which mm. is kind of just one part of what new frontiers has become mm. and you've had a lot of experience a lot of years kind of mm. under your belt now mm. what would you what would you wish you had gone back could go back and say to yourself in 1979 when when that church was starting then um i don't think there's a lot i would change yeah um to be honest, um, I think that um, we we were definitely on a mission. Mm. Um, the prophetic leading that there's been in leadership, in decisions that have been made, um, like even things like name changes. You know, yeah. we we were called Coastlands. We had the name Coastlands. Yeah, and Terry was very much, you know, this is a southeast kind of thing. 
for a very short while, but prophetic words began to come through as um, the word got around the nation, mm. what was happening. Um, Terry was a brilliant gatherer of leaders who were getting filled with the spirit, some of them from traditional denominational churches who were looking in. Um, yeah, I think, um, I, I, I don't think there is anything that I would particularly change. I, mm. I think, um, oh, there was such you... a sense yeah. of, it was like, a the building of a wave, Yeah, you know, um, it's gone, it's gone well. I mean, I'm yeah. thrilled yeah. At, at what God's done. I think my biggest concern now is that there is a generation, um, who didn't experience what we had to fight for mm. and what we had to break through yeah. um, to get to where, where we are and uh, a generation that haven't actually experienced a move of the spirit mm. um, and they're kind of piggybacking. And this is not a criticism. I mean, God's sovereign in these things. Mm. Um, but there is a sense of piggybacking on um, on what has gone on in previous generations. And my heart cry now is yeah. for this generation, like your yeah. generation, mm. to really experience God's now thing yeah. that he's going to do. And I do believe we're on the cusp of something. Yeah. yeah. And and we want to circle around to finish there, really. Yeah. Y- you said your family, you know, long line of seeing revival, mm. Um, mm. being in touch with revival in one way or another. Mm. What, what what's your what's your real prayer for the next five years um in our churches but in the uk as a whole in your own life what mm. what's your real heart's cry um it would be for another outpouring of the spirit mm. um i the three buzzwords were renewal restoration and revival and then restoration was the thing that came to the forefront that god's restoring the church and i believe that the recovery of body life worship social action church-based evangelism all, all of uh, leadership um new that looks like the new testament all of those things God has restored and that that is great. What I long for is a breakthrough of soul saving. Yes. And um, you can't really, you know, Paul talked about being in season and out of season. It's been an out of season time. And I, I thank God for initiatives like Alpha. Yeah. That's great. I've been involved in Alpha, seen lots of people saved. And we have seen our conversions and I wouldn't want to in any way belittle that. Mm. But when I read my grandfather's diaries and like read that everybody in his street was got converted when he moved there hmm. and the local council, this was in Leeds, the local council changed the name of his street to Salvation Row. Wow. Um, and saw hundreds saved. Yeah. And when I hear heard my grandparents story you know like a hundred thousand saved in wales in just a a few months really yeah um you know and people talk about um the revival only lasting two years um no it was a lot longer than that the influence of it a lot longer yeah um so i long for something that is definitely a god 
a God outpouring. Yeah. Um, so that that is really what I'm longing for. Well, yeah. Dave, just even to watch you, I can see you getting worked up, and 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 I I just love it. And and for people living listening to this, living in Darlington or the surrounding area, um, but all across the UK, could you just finish by praying for us for that very thing to happen? Sure, for revival to, to yeah. pour out. I mean, yeah. we're all desperate to see it, but for yeah. revival to yeah. see countless people come to know Jesus yeah. as their Lord and Savior, but to see. Yeah. Church is packed to see the spirit poured out, to see yeah. dis- real disciples made in Jesus' name. Yeah. So could you just, re- you know, could you just bring it home and pray for sure. us, please? Yeah, yeah. that would yeah. be an absolute real yeah. blessing from from you to us. So sure. thank you. Yeah, yeah Father, <clears throat> I want to thank you for these last 50 years or so where you've been restoring your church. Lord, we have seen so much blessing, so much good, and uh, Lord, we thank you for every move of the Spirit that there's been, but Lord, we long that in this nation of darkness that uh, your light will begin to shine ever more brightly. And Lord, we can do what you call us to do, to preach, to worship, to build community, but Lord, we need an infusion of your spirit for you to do only what you can do. And God, I want to pray that in the darkness, in the shame, in the ungodliness and the sinfulness of this dark land, really, Lord, we pray for breakthrough. I pray that churches will be alive in the spirit with worship and spiritual gifts and signs and wonders and miracles and evangelistic breakthrough where it brooks no argument that souls are crying out under conviction of sin for mercy and coming to the cross. God, we pray for it in our day that there will be a turning of the tide in this nation and that the powers of darkness will be affected by a church that emerges filled with your spirit, filled with joy, filled with praise, shining with true holiness. I pray God do it in our day, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Dave Fellingham, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for sharing just part of your story. Really hope you enjoy the rest of the conference today. Really hope that you hear from God too. Mm. And today that you really feel a sense of God speaking to you as you go back to Horsham. Mm. And uh, we really hope you've had a blessed time here. Mm. Uh, so thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. Great, thank you. Been good being with you. Today I have a really special guest, Terry Virgo, who has been with us for the uh, Leaders Conference this week. It's been a real pleasure to have him here, to meet him, to get some conversation um, and to just to meet one another. So thank you for coming, Terry. Thank you, Michael. It's been a blessing being here. And this conversation is straight off the back of you speaking and the conference has just finished and we have a train to catch. <laughs> so we've got to get you to the train station. So um, this is going to be a bit of a shorter conversation that we'd hoped, but I'm sure that there's a couple of questions that I'd love to ask you and I'm sure people would love to know about. Uh, 
Terry, uh, I, I, when we talked, when we met the other night, I kind of talked about this thought of um, second generation New Frontiers uh, leaders, really, which I very much feel like, if I'm being honest. And uh, I've come into New Frontiers and known Jeremy as an apostolic leader, whereas many people before me would have known you as an apostolic leader. And uh, I guess what I'm really desperate that we don't lose is what you guys had to fight for. We had Dave Fellingham in here this morning. He talked about this move of the spirit that was so powerful and so incredible that couldn't be ignored. And it led to some church movement. Um, Can you tell us what, what was that time period like for you and how did you end up kind of with looking overseeing a movement rather than just an individual church yeah sometimes people ask how do you start a movement and it was never our intention to start a movement i think we just started churches and kept moving Mm. and uh, you look back over your shoulder i think for us when i got filled with the holy spirit i was in a good baptist church terrific pastor great preaching but there was no room for anything fresh in terms of worship or acquaintance with the gifts of the spirit the sense of god's presence Mm. and so we began to feel we must have more space and originally my whole passion to be filled with the spirit was about witnessing Mm. i just wanted to be set free to witness and the young people started going up we started praying for one another got filled with the spirit started preaching on the seafront on sunday afternoons it was like wow a new day started and it, it changed us radically. But we also found that when we gathered to pray together, it was something fresh, the sense of the nearness of God. Uh, and we'd start worshipping and just enjoying God. And we thought, wow, that doesn't happen in our present context. Hmm. And uh, I mean, I could tell a much longer story, but I was invited to become the pastor of a new church. And I, when I was invited, I said, I've been filled with the Spirit. I would like us to be a Spirit-filled community. Mm. And they said, well, we know you you preach the Bible. So if you will lead us from the Bible, we'll follow you. Wow. And so uh, yeah, it was easier said than done. It took a few years. But about four years on from being a formal church, we became a very informal community. The Holy Spirit's presence affected our worship, the way we were together. Mm. And, and people started visiting my church and then I was invited out yeah and I I went to somebody's home on a Wednesday night and they said uh, we gather Wednesday nights would you come would you pray for us and and things started happening and they said would you come every week Hmm. I said no I'm a pastor (laughs) they said if we met every week would you come every other week and I said I would and I started going every other week to this house I always took a car full of guys and, and this group just grew and grew and grew until I was standing in the door frame, people in the hall, up the stairs, in the kitchen, in the, in the main lounge, and it just filled. Yeah. And uh, I started going. And then a couple from there moved to another town and did the same. They gathered some people. Would you come to us? So I was going alternate. And then after a while, I'm going to about eight house churches, all within an hour's drive from my home, essentially in the south of England. Yeah, And that's how we started. Uh, there was no idea of starting a movement. I was just helping people to gather in the presence of God, always opening the scripture, teaching from the Bible, but anticipating God would be there. And these groups all grew. And they started as house churches. That They're all warehouse churches now. 
I mean, yeah. they've, they've all grown substantially. Yeah. But that's that's how New Frontier started. That's incredible. Um, it, it, in that time, you've things have changed dramatically. I mean, the, New Frontiers now is you know thousands of churches and and now you know several movements really um, in the sense of where, you know as a church where part of the family of Christ Central churches and you probably feel like you're watching you know babies being grown and um, and mature and that's probably quite exciting. I just wonder if there's any lessons really that you've learned in that time that you would pass on to, I guess, I mean, I'm coining the phrase really, but second generation leaders really in, in, in the movement. Are there any lessons that you would, you would love to have been able to go back and tell young Terry, <laughs> look, this is something that's really valuable. It's going to keep you right for the rest of your life in ministry. Is there anything that you really wish older Terry could have told younger Terry that now older Terry could perhaps tell younger leaders who are listening to this. I think it's, it's difficult from the point of view that when we started, uh, there was a bit of a hostility in the nation to starting new churches. Wow. It had probably been decades since people started new churches. It was mm. a phenomenal thing. What are you mm. doing starting churches? Uh-huh. I was invited to speak to the Evangelical Alliance uh, no, a gathering of some many, many pastors. It was like, what are you doing? And uh, <laughs> wow. uh, it was, you know, there was quite a lot of hostility in in the country because this was a new phenomenon. Yeah. And then later, the whole thing of church planting began to be more popular. But when we started, we started against the backdrop of quite a lot of uh, unpopularity, mm. uh, and we were we were also starting with a, a kind of a, we want to make disciples. That's what Jesus said, go and make disciples. Yeah. And so when people joined us, we had what we called a commitment program, mm. which would last maybe eight weeks. And we said, this is what it is. And one of our guys wrote a book called How to Join the Church. Yeah. And he did it just for his church. And it was such a good one. We copied it and said, let's, let's all look at this. You might want to use it. And uh, lots of churches picked it up. And it was so like, this is who we are. This is how we build. This is the sort of church it's going to be. Mm. I think when we started, therefore, for instance, we would say, as a church, we will meet in small groups Mm. as well as on Sundays. So probably when we started, you would have 90% of your people in small groups. Yeah. Because that's who we are. I think when we first started, we were trying to establish what kind of church this was because What's going on? What's, well, who are these people? I think there came a time when commitment courses, or whatever you call them, began yeah. to fade, mm. and you might meet with the elders and come in. And I think that early commitment course was almost like um, making disciples. And mm. I would say that's one of the things I've, I regret that has slipped away. Yeah. And I would think if we can rediscover it, it would be great. I think it was almost like, well, people know who we are now, so they can join us. But I think now, New Frontiers, when it started, was, in some people's eyes, a cult. Hmm. I mean, it was that bad. Yeah. and There was such hostility towards it. Yeah. 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 Uh, and and then gradually that changed. Hmm. Uh, people like John Wimber, who was hugely popular, started the vineyard. He loved us. And he, hmm. he invited me onto his platform and think, wow. The wonderful John Wimber wow. has had Terry Virgo in, mm. and then other, and, and gradually they realised, no, we do love the Bible. Yeah, we're not crazy. <laughs> we love the Holy Spirit. We love the Bible, mm. and gradually 
we've become part of the Christian scene. Yes. And and to be honest, it was tough uh, having hostility against, but it meant you built very well. Hmm. So now, oh, you're just part of the scene. Yeah. And so it can become a bit more casual. Yeah. So that would be one of my concerns uh, mm. answering your question. I think that's a really, really good answer. Um, and it's certainly something that we're kind of revisiting right now as an eldership of, mm. you know, small groups and how do we meet? And, um, it, you know, making sure people don't think that Sunday morning is it. Mm. Actually, that's not community. It's not mm. church. Mm. That's just where we meet mm. as corporate worship. Mm. Um, so it, it's really challenging to hear that. I think we have probably have one more time for one more question. And my question is, you know, you've been through a tremendous amount and no tremendous amount of people. And you've seen this go from, you know, we had uh, Dave Fellingham telling us this morning, kind of just a group of people um, down in Brighton, Hove and starting a, a church there. Um, and it's now it's, you know, God has taken it to a place where you probably never even, I mean, you know, God will build his church, but you probably never imagined it would be where it is today. Um, but what, what do you hope for next for the church? What do you hope? And I, you know, I guess this is more of a broader question than just new frontiers as well, but what do you hope in the next, you know, 10, 15 years, what do you hope to see happen, see God do in our nation? Well, it's interesting when we, first got started the word restoration was a popular world words in our world mm. that god was restoring his church i wrote a book called restoration in the church mm. and i was asked to speak um, at the westminster fellowship again in a rather hostile situation to speak on restoration churches mm. and i wrote back and said i don't believe in restoration churches i believe god wants to restore his church i don't wow. want to just be a certain group I believe God wants to restore his church. Yeah. And uh, they said, okay, whatever, you know, change the title of their request. But that would still be my ultimate longing, that God's whole church would be restored. And I think that we're at a day when the authority of the Bible is being more and more pushed away hmm. in certain church life. Yes. But I think we might find something of a crisis may come hmm. where believers from all kinds of denominations will say, hey, no, mm. we, we believe the Bible. Yeah. And I, I can almost see like a collision course on the horizon mm. of, well, there are lovely believing brothers and sisters in all kinds of church life. I wonder if there's going to come a bit of a challenge to say, look, do we take the Bible seriously? Yeah. And if we do, then the whole church can arise. And then no, we take the Bible seriously. And uh, I mean, I, I would love to see the whole church become more biblical, more mm. open to the spirit, mm. more dynamic, more of a family, more of a community, the sort yeah. of thing we've been preaching at this conference. Yeah, definitely. That, that should be the whole church of God, not just a section of it. Amen. So that would be my longing. Yeah, well, that's incredible. We, I'd love to talk to you all day. I have so many questions for you, but unfortunately I can't. Um, but I know that whoever's been listening to our church, listening to this, will be so blessed that you just took took a moment just to share a little bit about your heart and a little bit of your story. So uh, can I pray for you before mm, we finish? That would be wonderful. Thank you. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for uh, Terry and the blessing that uh, he and his family have been to so many people. Lord, I pray and thank you that we've uh, had the pleasure of being able to get time with him 
many people from Christ Central Churches over this past week. Uh, but Lord, I pray that as he goes, um, that he wouldn't be worn out and tired out, Lord, that he would feel uh, renewed and uh, and re-energized by you, Lord. Uh, Father, we ask that you fill him with your Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord, we pray for more gifting. Um, don't know how you get more gifted, but more Father, gifting. We pray for, Lord, more of your strength, more yes, of your Father. wisdom. Yes, Lord. As he continues to lead and to father many people and to care for many of those people around him. And, uh, Lord, we just pray, uh, whatever you put his hand to in the coming months, Lord, that he would seek first you, and we know that you will bring everything else after. So, Lord, we just thank you for him, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Terry, for joining us, and uh, we hope you have a great travel back down south. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Michael. It's been yeah. great to be with you.